Welcome, welcome, welcome. Locked him with a little foo fighter. Well, fighters foo. Uh, we are going to get to foo fighters. Uh, I, pro- I assume that's actually going to be the bulk of this conversation. But we are, for today's topic, talking about the recent broadcast, the HBO broadcast of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2021 induction ceremony. Um, this just was broadcast uh, this past Saturday, but it actually happened in real life, in real time, uh, a few weeks back. Uh, so that's why we're talking about it today, because as I said, it was just broadcast this past Saturday evening. It was a good Saturday evening, because like, usually you'd go out to concerts and stuff like that. And if you weren't able to go out, it was nice because a whole bunch of people performed for you. So it's kind of a nice little mm-hmm. gesture from HBO. So welcome to my summer layer, Space Station Oddity. I'm your host, Sammy, and I am joined with uh music rock fans stephanie all right that was a bit subdued that's, today that's so that's so generic but it is i'm like i was like i was going back and listening to the foo fighters again from the end of the um from the end of the broadcast and i'm like and all of a sudden i'm like i couldn't find a piece of my microphone when i should have been looking for it and so i was a couple minutes getting late because i was busy listening to music so it's like you're a teenage girl again or something. Like, you're going to, like, run off and, like, I hate you or whatever and just, like, slam your bedroom door. That's right. Technically, I did slam the bedroom door. I was cranky at the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. That happens. The dog is not a big rock and roll fan. She's She doesn't like the rock and roll? Well, not my dog. Okay. My dog loves all music. Actually, my dog doesn't really like much of anything uh, except me. No, I'm dog-sitting for um, one of my neighbors and caused most sweet 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 dog just a ball of nervous energy that barks at his own shadow oh, i see so i was like yeah so i'm like so i took so like a little bit ago i was like i was like i can i was like i can shut the door but he'll bark outside the door if i shut it on him mm-hmm. so i just took him up to i just took him up to his crate i'm like i went up to the other apartment and i'm like you're just gonna be in your crate for a little while i'm just gonna mm-hmm. hang here just chill chill but yeah so it's fine he's fine he'll survive he'll survive he'll survive so I we are talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and you already mentioned mm-hmm. Foo Fighters, but we'll come back to the Foo Fighters because I know you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go off on the Foo Fighters. So we'll come back to that. But aside, Foo Fighters aside, was there any particular highlights or anything that kind of stood out to you, or was it like a special moment? You know, it's funny. I I really I didn't I didn't even mean to, and I and I actually I mean I kind of took to Drew Barrymore's. Um, complete fangirling of the go-go's mm-hmm. um and it's like i didn't really think about it i'm like i'm a fan of the go-go's you know it was like i grew up with their music um and you know blinda carlo all that kind of stuff in it but there was like there's one moment this one moment in well two moments in the podcast we'll get to the other one in a minute because that's just me being me but this one she was she just started her speech and she shouts out she's like Uh, do you remember the first album you ever bought? Shout it out. And I'm laughing because, like, she's up there to talk about the Go-Go's, right? And I'm laughing because it wasn't the Go-Go's, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the I bought with the Go-Go's. And I go, oh, oh, wait a 
second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and literally after the second, because I was watching it on my laptop in my kitchen, and I'm like, oh, wait, technically, kind of, yeah. I mean, I remember those, I mean, it's like I had lots of, you know, albums and cassette tapes and all that kind of stuff before, um, before that one. But that was the first one that, that and DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. Oh. Those were the first cassettes I ever bought with my own money. I remember specifically, my grandma gave me a 20 for Christmas and they were $8 a piece. And I got Belinda Carlisle <laughs> and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Those were, I was so, those were my. It was my first cassettes I ever bought with my own money. It was such a big deal for me. I was, I remember being so excited because I had, I remember I had it in my hand. I had, my mom had me hand the money to the guy. It was at Tower Records. And I was just, I was like, so that I want to pull plastic off. And my mom's like, you haven't paid for them yet. Stop it. <laughs> you know? And so she's like, and so she's like, if you want them, you have to pay for them yourself. And I'm like shy little eight year old. I was like, I don't want to talk to this strange man behind the counter. And she's like, you haven't given the money. And I'm just like shy as ever. Just like kind of like sneaking it, handing it to him. I'm like, okay, good. I paid for it. I'm opening them. But yeah, it was funny because it was like when she said that and I was just like, wait, that was my first. And then, and it was funny because I have not thought about that particular story it's been more than a decade easily since I thought about the story of like, of when I bought my first, you know, like that memory of my first, I was like, I hadn't thought about it in years. And all of a sudden it's like the whole thing came flooding back when she was talking about it, you know? And I have, I have go-go, I have a go-go's on vinyl and, you know, like I said, mm -hmm. I like their music, but I, I think I knew this and I just forgot or something. Cause like it sounded familiar, but it also sounded like I was learning it for the first time. The go-go's got their start in punk music, yeah. punk rock. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I'm like, I don't know why. It's just like, it's it's like one of those things that was probably always in the back of my head, but it was not anything that I ever gave much thought to because it was just not anything I gave me thought to. It was neither here nor there. Um, but, uh, and then, then they started playing their music again and then they played, they played live. And I was like, all of a sudden it was like, it was just like this epiphany moment. I'm like, oh my God, I can actually hear the punk rock. Yeah. I never thought about that till right now. Go-Go's uh, were always kind of aggressive. Not in a necessarily bad way, but just in a very punk way. Like, they were, like, totally in your face. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And it was part of their charm. And it was part of their appeal. Because even, like, even as a kid, like, growing up, I didn't know what punk was. But I was, like, when you'd see, like, videos and stuff for the Go-Go's, even during their, like, quote-unquote pop phase, you're, like, like, this was Swagger. I guess before Swagger <laughs> was properly named or invented. And that's what they had. They had this kind of, like, in-your-face aggressive Swagger. They were coming in like gunfighters. And they were determined to, like, clean up the town like a sheriff. Uh, and then just kind of go on to the next thing as the tour kind of goes along. And that was kind of, like, really fun and confrontational. Uh, they were joyful, like, a joyful confrontational. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like, did, you know, she was talking about it, too, and, like, she's full on, like, kind of dressed down, dressed up, what, while she was on stage. I'm like, their first album cover, they were in, you know, they're just, like, in towels. Like, it's, like, it was, like, the most feminine, feminist, unfeminine, it's, like, unfeminine thing. It's, like, yeah, you know, we, you know, we look like women, and we're very feminine, but at the same time, it's, like, this is what we do to look good for all of you, mm -hmm. and we're just going to share it with you. You know, and it, you know, it's like it wasn't any sort of glamorous cover. It wasn't sort of, you know, it wasn't anything that was like showed them like with any sort of true sex appeal the way we think of that. Mm -hmm. You know, so like what that means, you know, what we what the example that are popping into our head when we think about it. 
Um, and I just, I just, you know, I just, I loved, I loved him growing up. But oh, Belinda Carlisle, circle, circle in the sand, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> circles in the sand and round and round. But oh yeah, um, I loved that. I loved that part in particular. Um, but also too, I want to add like. Uh-huh. that Drew Barrymore's observation too of like when she asked the crowd and you mentioned it already which is like shout out the first record that you got that's kind of an experience that's gone away I, I don't mean to sound like an old man but just like when you just constantly listen to Spotify all the time there isn't that personal attachment that story you just told you don't have that mm-hmm. a, a, like a lot of kids today don't have that story of like this prized possession no. or like Grandma gave me money and I got this thing now, this this thing I can hold in my hand, right? Like, like yeah. I mean, what are the stories now? It's like, oh, the very first playlist I ever put together on Spotify. I'm like, okay, well, that's not, you know. Yeah. It's not the same. Uh, it was kind of like that to me is also like the value of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is you keep the some of that past alive, those experiences alive. <laughs> there is, like you said, like special moment, this kind of like connection where you leave your suburban house and you go to a music store and the dude behind the counter is weird and he's not somebody that you kind of typically see and you get to interact with pop culture in a way that you don't get to do now. Like, I know Netflix and Spotify are pop culture and consider pop culture, but the experiences we had, especially because you, like you said, you were eight years old when you first did, uh, when you bought those cassette tapes, you... Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot. You're not going out to clubs or like punk rock clubs or anything like this. So your pop culture experiences are limited. So you have to treasure the ones that you have because you weren't going to a lot of concerts and a lot of things and you weren't hanging out with quote unquote weird people. And so when you get an opportunity like that to go to a store and take grandma's money and buy those cassette tapes, that's a thrilling memory that you just don't get when you just push play on Spotify. No, you're absolutely correct. It's like it made me think of like places like warehouse tarot records all that kind of stuff that that's gone away you know we the only place you can get that now from tiny little vinyl shops mm-hmm. and all the vinyl shops have started carrying you know they they're, they're record stores now they carry cds they carry cassettes they carry all that stuff um mostly vinyls yes but they they a lot of them that i know around here they carry all the rest of it too and uh, you, you know I, you, I go, I go to Warehouse or Tower Records as a kid to buy a CD. I have a particular one I want to go get, and then while I'm there, I'm like, I see something else. I'm like, oh, I like this one song, and so I end up buying the album. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole album of songs I like, and that's not that you can't do that today. You know, it's like if you get one song, you can just have the one song and nothing else. Although, although, did you hear recently what? The major change that Spotify made because Adele asked them to. They took the shuffle off. Yes. Just shuffle for albums. Yeah. You can't shuffle albums. And I was like, I saw that. I was like, that's that's big dick energy right there. That's yeah. BDE. That's straight <laughs> BDE. I'm like, she's like, I don't want them shuffled. They're like, okay, Adele, we love you, whatever you yeah. want. <laughs> so, and I was, but. But yeah, you can make playlists, you can have, you know, you can put like, like every year I have a playlist that is just, the title of it is just the year. Mm-hmm. So, because I don't know what to title about them and I want to listen to them a bunch of times, I'll, I'll drop them in there. But it's like, it's not like before when I would go and I'd be like, oh my God, I love that song that's on that album. I'm going to grab that album. Even if it's a compilation album. Compilation albums still have all the other stuff too. But I'm like, it's like, I love this one song. And then all of a sudden, you know, I... 
think one of the best descriptions, the one best I can think of right now is the soundtrack to City of Angels I got because of the Alanis Morissette song. And, but it opened up my eyes to a world of music I never listened to because there's so many different genres of music on that album. Um, like music I never would have listened to. Like now all of a sudden I like genres of music I didn't even know that I would like. And kids didn't really get that anymore because Spotify tends to compile their new music for you based on what you like, mm-hmm. not not anything that you could experience new. Yeah. So I feel like it's pigeonholing everything that we listen to into something smaller. Sometimes the Netflix algorithm does that. Like you'll watch a horror movie and then it's like, oh, you like horror movies? Here's five more. I'm like, I just watched a horror movie. I want to watch like a comedy or a sci-fi or something. Like, Show me like something independent, whatever it may be. Just give me something different. Just because I like horror doesn't mean I want to watch like horror back to back to back. It's funny you say that because last night me and my roommate, I was putting on Christmas decorations, decorating the tree. And we were watching the we were watching the princess switch because we both seen the first two ones. And it's like, it's light, fluffy. You have it in the background. Vanessa Hudgens is great. And so we watched the first one and then we watched the second one and we get done with the second one. Netflix's, Netflix's recommendation is for us to watch the first one. I'm like, <laughs> we just back, back. Yeah. But Netflix is like, oh, what's the first one? There's a third one. Do they recommend that one? Yeah. Recommended we watch the first one. We're like, but we you know, just watched it. How do you not get that? Yeah. So I'm like, that's really pigeonholing you into something tight. Yeah, that's um, that's frustrating. And again, I understand. Like, I'm not trying to like go back in time or whatever. I just, it's just you. We don't always take these t- moments to re- uh, to mourn what it is that we've lost because technology goes so quick, right? Like, we've gone yeah. from like uh, the vinyl to cassette to CD to like, and it just keeps going to mp3 and we've kind of gone back to vinyl of course but it's just we these things and these changes happen so rapidly we never take a moment to just kind of like pause and like reflect on what it is that we've lost we don't well you're right we don't have the time to Mm -hmm. we just don't have time because it's like what we lost you know it's like we're you could almost say we're losing something every single day because everything changed like you said it changes so fast these days it's it's you know it's it's in our minds one minute and out of our minds the next minute, you know, like a news story that captured the entire nation a few weeks ago, get pops up again because of some new development. And I completely forgotten who that person was. Mm-hmm. That was like two weeks. Yes. Because it moves fast. We yeah. don't have time to remember what we forgot. Mm-hmm. So what about you? Like, what was your, what was your, um, uh, takeaway uh, from, uh, one highlight that was like, I thought it was really profound was Dave Chappelle did the um, the opening speech for Jay-Z. He was the one who inducted Jay-Z into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And one of the things that Dave Chappelle said, and it's something that we don't really like talk about or articulate enough about, he said the way that white people listen to rap music is completely different than the way that black people listen to rap music, the way that they interpret the lyrics, all those kind of things. And I was like that's a massive like observation that we we kind of take for granted and we kind of gloss over but it's like it's like we were saying before with like things moving on like we need to stop for a couple of minutes and like acknowledge this because we're all listening to the same music but we're not all like interpreting it the same way no you're absolutely right and it's like i rem- you know when he said that i remember to having a pause for him and i'm like that's true and that just seems obvious but at the same time it's like you know, and I, I think from my own perspective, being a white person, that probably is something that I just took for granted that, you know, the way black people interpret um, all the all that music, 
you know, Jay-Z came out of Brooklyn, a part of Brooklyn that was not a great neighborhood and still is not the best area. Um, you know, and I live in, and it's funny because I, okay, I can see from my backyard the house that, um, that Biggie Smalls grew up in, the, the apartment complex. I can see it from my backyard. It's one street over that mm-hmm. Biggie Smalls grew up in. They renamed that stretch of St. James, uh, Christopher Wallace Way. Um, at the very end of it, um, next to the main thoroughfare, right across the street as a mural of him on the wall. And he grew up in a Brooklyn very similar to the one that Jay-Z grew up in. And I have no concept of that. Mm-hmm. Because the Brooklyn I'm in is worlds away mm-hmm. from what they grew up in. And it's literally my backyard. And so it's like, so my inter- so my interpretation of Brooklyn is different. And so like, he talks so much about this area and where he came from and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, I love the song Empire State of Mind. I know all the words to that song. Um, some words I don't say, but I know all the <laughs> words to that song. And mm-hmm. my interpretation of it is like, there are probably things in that song that I'm interpreting a certain way that, you know, if somebody in the, in the black community explains to me, Oh, that's not at all what I thought that meant, you know? So it's just, it's just a totally different viewpoint vibe. And, you know, it just kind of, it also puts a lot of his music into perspective and just what he has done for the black community and what he has done in general for hip hop and, you know, rap music and just, you know, getting, getting voices heard, you know, being the kind of success that he is. Um, It's unheard of. I was going to say, like, in Empire State of Mind, there there is a line. I, I should Google it properly, but Jay-Z basically says, if he's paying uh, LeBron, I'm paying, I'm paying Dwayne Wade. And it's because rap pri- uh, sorry, drug prices are based on NBA jersey numbers on the street. And so he's not saying that he's going out to buy drugs. What he's basically saying is that he's so prominent, he can get a, even a discount, <laughs> like a Black Friday discount on drugs on the street. That's like the level of his fame compared to other rappers, right? And I, millionaires, that that not that's that um, you literally just explained a lyric to me that I thought meant something else entirely. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people just associate it with the basketball stuff, right? I know who LeBron James is, and Jay Z owned the Nets at the time. So I get it, blah, blah, blah. And then they just kind of gloss over, like you said, uh, certain words, certain phrases. and what's, But that's basically what he's saying. And it, it's it's a street culture and a street slang that, like, it's like poetry, basically. You do have to interpret poetry. And I know, like, when we were in English class, the teacher would give us some dry, like, yeats or something like this or wordsmiths or whatever. And you would gloss it over and you kind of just hand in the essay to get your C and then go on your way. But it's the same thing. You kind of have to unpack it. And Jay-Z has a number of things like that that are actually, like, super packed. I um, I have a very specific set of Jay-Z songs that I know very well. And it's funny because several of them, I do not know them in their original musical format. And that obviously is because of Linkin Park's Collision Course. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're Jay-Z. Um, and I knew who Jay-Z was that and i'd heard some of his songs you know i'd heard problems i I knew the song Mm -hmm. you know it's catchy as hell regardless um but i that was the first time i'd really been introduced to his music where listening to the lyrics and hearing the lyrics and still to this day the stuff that i look at in those songs i'm like i have no idea that's what that means and by the way the line if you're wondering if if jeezy's paying lebron i'm paying Dwayne wade i told you i know all the words of that song yeah um so that's what uh, he's saying he's more prominent than that guy than that other rapper 
because he can get a basically a Black Friday discount on drugs on the street. <laughs> and see, I never, I thought that actually had to do with like the um, this like the lifelong like base. I don't want to say collaboration, but like you know the kind of yeah, it's like some sort of collab like like back and forth between hip hop and basketball. Mm-hmm. And I thought it had some emotion. Like, and it's just something I didn't know about. I never in a million years knew that's what that line meant. Because I didn't, because it's not, that's not my, that's not my world. I did not grow up in that world. I did not, I have not had to experience that world. And so, you know, that's why I said, I'm like, I know, I know all the words the song that I know that, that I know there are things in that I don't, that don't, I think means something else entirely. Yes. And that's why I like Dave Chappelle's observation, because I'm like, that's something that we don't really kind of talk about. Everybody like you, like, you know, Jay-Z lyrics and songs and stuff. And a lot of people know Jay-Z songs, but it's it's completely different than like Go-Go's. We all like (laughs) you. You listen to Go-Go song. There isn't a lot of broad interpretations or things that you're kind of missing in a go-go song. And yeah. it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just what it is. And you can enjoy it and like, you can listen to vacation and you can dance and you can have fun and then you're done. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things like, uh, certain lines, obviously in Jay-Z songs that like, hold up. I gotta like sit down with this for a little bit. Cause I gotta like work through it. Yeah. You know, it's actually funny. You mentioned that because one of the most misinterpreted lyrics of all time is actually from a go-go song. And it's, it's, it always makes like one of the top 10 lists of most misinterpreted. And it's the, it's our lips are sealed. It sounds like Alex, the seal, and you will never unhear that. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, and of course, of course I had a moment, like when they did that whole opening montage, that black and white montage for Jay-Z, I was seriously waiting. I was like, cause I was like, I was like, are they going to have him? Are they going to have him? I was waiting to see if Mike Shinoda was going to be in it mm-hmm. because, you know, the whole album. And I'm like, and he was close to, like, he was tight with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, there's literally, I don't know a person in the entire music industry that could has a, a, any sort of bad word ever to say about any of the guys from Linkin Park, which is nice. Um, but regardless, um, I was waiting and that didn't happen. I was like, oh, okay. But they did show up in the, um, the featurette, yeah, the yeah. Of course, I had started like rocking out in my kitchen as mm-hmm. one does. Um, but it's like, but they made a good point. Was you know he was changing landscapes, you know, and and I think and I look now and I look back now at Collision Course and I'm like, you know, especially now that it's been that we're so far removed from when it came out. Mm-hmm. She was already famous, but was like at a at a, at a somewhat of a, like when I see was somewhat of a tipping point in his career right around then, um, and Lincoln Park had released their first two albums, and there was actually like a four year gap between Meteora and Minutes to Midnight, and that's actually when when Collision Course came out during that time, and but Jay Z was completely changing the way people looked at hip hop and rap music and how they interpreted it and what it could sound like and what it could be. Linkin Park is the only band that survived the new metal craze because they were also changing the landscape. They were taking approaches that nobody else was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, 
Jay-Z is a musical genius, so is Mike Shinoda in completely different genres. So I think that to have the, those two artists of Linkin Park, Mike Shinoda, and then Jay-Z over here, to have them create that. I mean, honestly, there was that whole like thing for a while of everybody doing mashup albums. Name another one for me. Name another uh, one besides Collision Course. Uh, the Danger Mouse one, uh, the Grey album, where he mashed up Beatles and Jay-Z's, uh, um, what's the Back in Black album? Not... Uh... The Black Album, sorry. Jay-Z's Black Album and the Beatles' White Album. It's called The Grey Album by uh, yeah, Modest and House. And that's like, that's not, that's not, I mean, okay, technically, you know, as a DJ, it is. But, you know, I mean, this was this was Jay-Z and Linkin Park getting together. A lot of bands were doing that at the time. A lot of music artists were doing that, this mashup. And they, obviously, they were not the players of it. You know, Aerosmith and Run DMC did it back in the 80s. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that song. Yeah. I almost never always forget that that song was like a run dm song run dmc song first i always forget that mm-hmm. uh, but you know they these two prolific artists who were also on like this like cusp of their careers because you know the Lincoln park was just getting past the sophomore not a sophomore slump thank god um jay-z was like going from like jay-z to jay fucking z and it's like to have them come together and to look back now and to see the trajectory of both careers. I'm like, I, I, there's very few, you know, like I don't know enough about the hip hop world to be able to say who I think should be in the rock and roll hall of fame. But if you'd ask me who, who in, um, uh, who in hip hop and rap should be in the, um, should be in the rock and roll hall of fame. He would have been the first person I said, mm-hmm. I can think of a laundry list. I'm like, there's a laundry list who should be in there or, or, you know, that, you know, that deserve to be in there, whether they are now or not. But, oh, yeah, he would have been the first one I said. Yeah. I, well, I like that point, too, because they also acknowledged, like, uh, big pimping, uh, specifically very, uh, like, via Missy Elliott. And, like, big, pimp, big pimping is, like, I suppose there are, like, I'm just so used to it from rap music. But I suppose you could take away that it's misogynistic or it's whatever. It's very immature. It's a very immature perspective. Uh, in terms of relationships and in terms of women, but you need that song because it it's a it's it's a mark on the wall, like it's a def- definitive mark, so that you know that when he's evolved and he's kind of gotten like past that, if that song's not there, there's no way to properly measure the growth of an artist. Like you said, it's one thing to change your sound, but it's another thing to change your perspective, to change the lyrics, to change the topics and things that you talk about, and you need to have certain mm-hmm. songs like that, as offensive as they may be to certain people. Because then you know that that person is growing and evolving. It's the same thing of like um, years and years ago, Howard Stern realized that like he'd kind of come to the end of like uh, putting on like Playboy bunnies and like uh, women like um, porno stuff, all that kind of stuff. And he started getting rid of a lot of that. And he then went started going to therapy and he started doing like really good interviews. And he also started reaching out to a lot of people that he offended and he started to make apologies and stuff like this. And his show went in a different direction. But the problem is that the people who have never listened to the new version of the Howard Stern show remember only like the porno and the nudity and all the other stuff. And they just constantly put him in this box and they haven't allowed him to grow and to change. When in fact, you don't stay on the air for like 20, 30 years without constantly growing and changing and evolving. No, that's a good point. I'm like, you say the name Howard Stern and like, there's a certain, there's, you know, there's a certain image that comes to mind, you know, same thing with like, um, oh my gosh, who's the, who's the TV personality chairs always get thrown. They have security. Jerry Springer. Oh yeah. A lot of people don't know. There's actually like, I think it, was he 
was he actually an attorney or just a politician? Like politician? Like he was in politics. Oh, he was like before... something of Cincinnati, like mayor of Cincinnati or governor of Cincinnati or something like that. Um, but it's interesting because like you, you hear the name Jerry Springer, and the only thing you think of is chairs Cheers being from... thrown yeah. across. Mm-hmm. And who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, but he, he like his career was in a different direction when he first started going Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's it's interesting you know like you look at that kind of stuff and it's you know it's like you forget that that a lot of these a lot of that stuff that they're doing is just a performance or just putting on a performance you know the um i think the only time you know they're just they're not necessarily who you hear on the radio show who you see on the tv show who you associate them with Mm -hmm. um so you know and same with jay-z is like a lot of the stuff is in his lyrics you know but that was also that was that was music at the time. Yeah, that's you know, and and it, honestly, it still is a little bit. But I'd say in the last few years, you know, is when you really started hearing changes in hip hop and rap music, where they kind of took a started putting it in the backseat. You know, calling every single girl, you know, calling them all bitches and hoes and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, it's like I think one of the I, you know, one of the greatest rap lyricists of all time, I think, is almost a better way to say it. Eminem, I can, there are songs of his I cannot listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs I like. His, I, I knew the Eminem show. I knew that entire, when I had that album memory start to finish. Um, and there's some songs I'm like I haven't listened to in a long time, so I don't remember all the lyrics. But I'm like, there's I've gone back and listened to it, and I cannot listen to some of his songs. But you can still hear that there's you know you can still hear the genius behind what he has put together, what he structured in these songs, and the structure of the songs. You know. Um, uh, but again, he's evolved so, as well too, and the things that he raps about now, like you need to have those markers so that you know that he has grown and evolved, right? Like if you. If he was just still putting out Eminem show like the third or fourth version of that album now, he really hasn't kind of grown. He would have just plateaued. And that's true. I mean, it's like, and I don't necessarily, but I don't necessarily think like that's the kind of music you have to put out to show that someone's grown. I mean, you mm-hmm. can. There's lots of artists who don't do that who haven't made music For that sure. talk about a, or anything like that. Um, that you can also hear their growth. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like you look at some of these bands. I mean, like the Rolling Stones, who, you know, from, I look at the Rolling Stones and I think back, you know, because they inducted the, they had their, the drummer who just passed. But Charlie. I was, I was, yeah, Charlie, which is, I shouted his name at my computer and all of a sudden my roommate was like, you call my name? And I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, I swear I heard my name. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I did. I did yell your name across the apartment, but it wasn't you. Know, it was a different Charlie. So, um, but uh, you know, you look at that. You look at the beginning of their career, and again, they literally look like an early Beatles and early Monkeys. I'm like, that's how they came across, and it's like, they are one of the greatest rock bands in history. And if you think about, you know, you think about them now. You know, you think of what Mick Jagger looks like now, and you think about what Mick Jagger looked like when they first started. I'm like, that's 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 not the same person. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's not the. I'm pretty sure that they just got someone who looks like him, and <laughs> then he's just different. Yeah, Paul is dead. Uh, but they're all dead. Like you know, I mean, I could, you know, uh, I, they're. I, 
I, I could go back and continue to talk about Linkin Park and how their music grew, but I will save that for another day because I need to spend at least one day not talking about them. All right, but you are we you are free now to talk about Foo Fighters. We have covered a little bit of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So if you want to get into, because uh, you were talking about the Stones and the Beatles a little bit, so Paul McCartney obviously introduced uh, or inducted uh, Foo Fighters. What is the connection between uh, Paul McCartney and Foo Fighters? Yeah, I know they know each other. You know, um, but at the, at the same time, I'm like, you know, that whole speech, I was like, I was even like, why is Paul McCartney doing this? Yeah. Um, but started going into this whole about his, I am certain this is probably a conversation they got drunk over once, um, but his musical trajectory from the Beatles and then post-Beatles into are like wings. identical. Yeah. Yeah. And he's making jokes about, you know was Dave Grohl stalking him because, you know, they, they started out in these bands and then tragedy struck and the bands broke up for whatever reason, you know, and then he's like, well, I'm going to start my, I'm going to, he moves on. He decides he's going to start his own band. He's like, I'm going to do a band that's, I play literally every single instrument. I got to give a name to the band. So it's not just Paul McCartney. So he called it wings. You know, Dave Grohl's like, I can't just put my name on it. I'm going to call it Foo Fighters, you know, and then where they went from there and how their careers grew. And, you know, Dave Grohl, his career in general is just such an interesting. I mean, yeah, Paul McCart Paul McCartney, guitarist, he could sing, all that kind of stuff. But he was that was what he was in the Beatles, and that's what he was after the Beatles. Dave Grohl, on the other hand, Dave Grohl was drummer for Nirvana, mm -hmm. and then he became his primary um, instrument is playing guitar loudly mm -hmm. and in such an awesome. <laughs> um, the you. Know, so he went from being the background of a band that nobody really thinks about. They do more these days than they used to, but to the lead singer and lead guitarist of one of the greatest, you know, he went from one of the greatest, you know, alt, alt bands of all time, you know, uh, their, their whole career cut short, um, to one of the absolute greatest modern rock bands, you know, will be he the Foo Fighters will be up there with the Stones. He'll be up there with you know Eagles with the Beatles, like all that. Like not just because they're inducted, but because the what they have done for the musical landscape, the what Dave Grohl has done. Mm -hmm. You know, he's arguably one of the greatest drummers of my generation, yeah. and he, you know, and that's not even the instrument he plays. You know. Um, I, I still think I'm I'm still the the drum off that he got into. Oh, I'm blanking on her name right now. Oh, the little girl, um, the I've, little black girl. Oh, that they did, and I mean she. Well, she was at if you remember. Um, I put I the the one song that she wrote for him, which is just really cute. I put on my like. Well, it's not just cute; it's awesome. Um, oh, Na Nandy Bichelle. That's right, yeah. Nandy Bichelle. So he was the very first, you know, the very first time she ever actually met Dave Grohl in person and then performed that same day happened to be at the Foo Fighters concert I was at. So mm -hmm. I got to see her jam with him. The Hollywood and Bowl, right? Because like, no, the LA Forum. LA Forum. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, you look at this insanely prolific drummer who's a lead guitarist and lead singer for the band that he's been in for 25 plus years go you know and then he but then what but then what this girl who also plays every instrument wants to battle him on is the drums mm -hmm. 
So, you know, but just look at all of these different elements that he's brought together, these songs that he's written, this music he's put together, and then what, and this band that he's created and how he just, the, the talent that he brought into this band that is still there, you know, to this day. I mean, they did lose um, the guitarist. Pat Smear? His name. Pat Smear. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, not, I'm like, it's, that's, that's their band. I'm like, it's just, you know, they're the Foo Fighters. Um, and so I was so excited. I was so excited to see them get inducted. I'll, I'll admit, I'm like, I was like, I was like, I want to watch it because it's the Foo Fighters. It's the Foo Fighters. I did not know Jay-Z was going to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's times like these that it's good that you watch the whole thing. I was like, I, I was like, Tina Turner not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I was like, I didn't what She's not. I don't know what? Like the few of them that were, I'm like, how how are they not already? I was like, I was so thrown by some of the people who were inducted this year, and I was like, I guess. maybe also because like Tina Turner's been around since what the 60s, 70s, and she just got inducted this year, and the Foo Fighters have been around for since the late 90s, and they're being inducted. But then again, that goes back to the whole argument about there's not enough women being inducted, and um, but that's you know that's they're getting better about that every year, so that's not a conversation to have, but. Um, it's still, I was just like, you know, it's like, it's like those people when they get on a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and they're like, how did they not have one already? What do you mean they're only getting it right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just shock. Um, although the way people get stars on Hollywood Walk of Fame, it's not totally surprising. Yeah. But it's I am. Check. It is literally back to the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. It's literally what it is. Yes. Um, and they, you know, they do have to have a petition worth of signatures. They don't have to get how many signatures, but it's it's just a check to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so not like it's not like the Rockwell Hall of Fame where you know goes to like a whole series of, you know, whatever. Um, they're just like here, have some money, give them a start. Okay. Um, I want to so, with the Foo Fighters though. I find one of the things I find fascinating, and even before Nirvana. They both, both bands, and I don't know what it is about Dave Grohl, but it's this crossover appeal. Black people love the Foo Fighters. Black people love Nirvana. And I'm not saying, like, stereotypically that just black people just listen to, like, rap music or whatever. Obviously, they're like everybody else. They just listen to a lot of music. But those two bands specifically, when those, like, Monkey Wrench or, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit or one of those things, like, come on. Black people love these bands. They love Dave Grohl. And it's a weird crossover thing where, like, other bands that are just as big haven't necessarily done, like, Soundgarden didn't have that same kind of crossover appeal. Uh, Other bands from the era, Pearl Jam doesn't have that big kind of crossover appeal. And it's interesting. I don't know what it is. It's just an observation. But for some reason, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and both Nirvana managed to cross over. Um... I honestly, I ha- I have nothing to say to that because I have no idea why. Like I don't, I'm like I'm trying to think, but honestly, I'm like also the wrong person to ask. I can't sit here and go. Oh, I know why black people like them because I know how black people think. I absolutely do not know. So any like, way, shape or form. A, a recent Back. example of what um, I'm talking about is like I watched a Dave Chappelle. Um, he has a documentary out called Untitled, and he. It was basically uh the first year that we had COVID back in 2020. All that summer, yeah. he was putting on shows. Uh, at this farm, this cornfield in uh, in his near the farm that he lives on in Ohio, in Yellow Springs, Ohio. And of course, as he was putting them on in the summer, uh, he got to July 4 and he had this big show 
with uh, Tiffany Haddish and um, uh, who Erica Badu. Common was there. Um, yeah, Questlove was there. Uh, it was all these like big prominent people, and it was of course it was a Fourth of July party, whatever. And so they did a whole bunch. Of, they all performed their all like music or their comedy acts or whatever it may be. And then it just kind of like disintegrated from like performing into this party. And somebody, one of the DJs, put on "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and Questlove was doing the drums that Dave Grohl does, and he does the drums, and the, the all the black entertainers were going nuts, and they were singing the song at the top of their lungs, and it's just like weird, like they're just in this giant cornfield, just belting out "Smells Like Teen Spirit" with Questlove on the drums. It was a great scene, but it's also like a really weird scene. I would absolutely have loved to have seen that. I'm like, I'm trying to picture it in my head, and I'm like, although. Have, I did have a similar experience, nothing not like that, but just a genre crossover at a concert that I thought was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen, but was also awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever told this. I was at a, did I ever tell the story when I was at the Maroon 5 concert? Uh, I went with a friend of mine. She was a big Maroon 5 fan. I don't like their music, but I'm like, it's not, I would not have voluntarily bought a ticket to Maroon 5. They were not a band I cared one way or another about singing concerts. And the concert was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Adam Levine, when his vocal cords are completely warmed up and he speaks, he sounds exactly like Mickey Mouse. I could not unhear it all night long. <laughs> Their drummer at the time had broken his arm, and so he wasn't he wasn't on the drums that night. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the night, when they went to do their encore, the, he came out, you know, arm all casted up and stuff, and jumps on the microphone. And Adam goes back and gets on the drums. I can I don't even ask me who was filling in for drums, and I have no clue. Um, but he gets back on the drums and remember Room Five. Room Five has a specific sound to them that is very like rock and roll, like aughts, early, you know, two thousand aughts rock and roll light. It's a very specific sound. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets back on and their leads their their drummer gets on lead microphone and they they proceed to perform a kick ass version of Highway to Hell. <laughs> wow. All right, then. And I was like, and everybody was going nuts. Really sucks, though, because, like, this is back in the day when, like, phone cameras were mm-hmm. obviously, like, crap. Mm-hmm. Like, crap. Like, way over 10 years. I tried to record it, and all it, and I was, remember, was so bummed out because it just then was, like, you could not feel it. Mm-hmm. I could get a good recording now, but you couldn't feel it. Like, it was just some, like, noise. I was so bummed. I was so bummed. I'm like, yeah, but it was so awesome. <laughs> and I was like, awful version. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like... You don't see stuff like that very often at concerts where they do such a large deviation on something, mm-hmm. and you know, because you don't know how the crowd's gonna react. Like you, like you just said, it's like it completely like blew your mind because you know you're watching. You know, smells like Teen Spirit, the a crowd that was not there to jam to smells like Teen Spirit. So. But it's, it's like Erica Badu. Like, like you think, like Erica Badu sits and listens to "Smells Like Teen Spirit." She knew the lyrics. She was mouthing along. Tiffany Haddish was mouthing along. Dave Chappelle was mouthing along, and, and Questlove knew the drums, or at least he was at least like he's talented enough that maybe he was kind of just going with the song. But you know what I mean? Like, like you guys have listened to this song enough <laughs> that you know the the lyrics. It's one thing when you hear the opening, like the drums and all that stuff at the, at the beginning of uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." It's an iconic opening. And you know the song, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to actually know the lyrics and to sing along with it, you know? Yeah. Um, hold on a second. I was going to say something, and it completely left my brain. 
must not have been that important. It was oh. about what we were just talking about. It's gone. Um, so, I mean, but there was, I don't know. I thought, okay, I will tell you this. This is actually the first time I've ever watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony all the way through. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never sat and watched it. I usually yeah. just, you know, watch, like, clips on YouTube or something. Yeah. Um, this was a good year, though. There's a lot of, like, inductees that were, in, you know, that weren't just performers or, like, how they're inducted and all that kind of stuff. Just I that I didn't know that's how it was done. So it was kind of, it was fun to watch just because, you know, the early influence award, the musical excellence award, like, all this kind of stuff and their contributions to music um, was... It it was fun learning like where all this stuff comes from. Um, that I like a good a good example is when they're talking about craft work. Mm-hmm. Um, craft work is amazing. Yeah, I never it never occurred to me ever that you know all of that um, that you know that that robotic sound like all of that you know that kind of that kind of music. And, and I didn't even, like think about it being in the background of all of these songs that they were going through, and then I'm like, and then to find out that it was like one band, like one group that mm-hmm. influenced a massive group of um, hip hop artists, mm-hmm. and it, their sound. That so I guess that actually ties into this whole thing we're talking about. I, I had no clue. Now I have to go and listen to them. <gasps> Ooh, I should see Spotify just as themselves because I'm curious. <laughs> but yeah, I I just. I'd heard their name before, but I was like, again, it's not anything that I really thought one way or another about, like, you know, but then to hear how they'd had such an influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you can see like, even just something as simple as Daft Punk, right? Like you can draw Mm -hmm. a clear line between Kraftwerk and Daft Punk. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like, but it's the, that's the beauty of the, the rock and roll hall of fame and this whole like music genre in general it's like, how do you get from Kraftwerk to Daft Punk? Because there's other bands in the middle, like they had the little featurette with uh, Depeche Mode. Uh, lots of yeah. bands like New Order were big synth guys as well. There's like lots of little things. But Kraftwerk also had a lot of like melodies and voices and stuff. And there's like little bits of like Beach Boy stuff when you listen to it. Uh, just how they kind of layer sounds and how they layer melodies. is <laughs> Which you don't normally like... You don't think that music would evolve from like Beach Boys to Kraftwerk, but here we are. Mm-hmm. It's um, I I I love finding out about that kind of stuff, and you know, I'm kind of kicking myself now. I you know, I'm from a music family, not professionally, but you know, my dad has one of the biggest guitar collections I've ever seen live, and he plays every single one of them. And there's a million different types of guitars in there. There's bass. There's mm-hmm. there's electric. There's acoustic. He's got a banjo, all kinds of stuff, and he plays, um, or did, you know, uh, before he he's just older and really can't play him anymore. But, you know, my brother learned to play drums. My brother learned to play guitar. I play piano. Um, I'm a singer in the family. I'm like, we're all, you know, we're all influenced. And if there's, and you know, I I know I've mentioned on this show before that you know, the thing that kept me and my brother from killing each other when we were growing up is our <laughs> common grammar Star Wars learned. But, you know, it's like me and my dad and my brother, you know, it's just I'm such a different animal than them that, you know, it's like we never the three of us, like, or at least me to them, never really understood each other, you know, growing, you know, me growing up. day. But if there's one thing that we've had in common, it's our it's our 
love of music and the 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 different types of music we love and why we love it and how it's not because I like this song and it's pretty and it's catchy, but you know, the things that we know about it going in, you know, the things that we learn, um, you know, so um, watching this, I, like I said, I'm kicking myself because there's so many things that I learned about music that I didn't know. And I'm wondering, okay, like if I'd actually, if I, if this was a thing I watched every year, how much do I think I would have learned in years past about influences like that that mm -hmm. sort of thing things that you know things that, you know talking about you know jay-z's early career and his influences and how he got started and who influenced him and who he influenced like all this kind of stuff i'm like yeah i know jay-z and i really like his music and i think he's an absolute genius top to bottom but like there's a lot of stuff in there about you know just his journey and the you know where that all ties in you know things that normally like are important to me that's the kind of stuff i like to know um so now i'm like oh, i'm just gonna have to watch it every year now just yeah i have to make the list yeah, and i might go back and watch old yeah it's the thing with music because a lot of music is like currently what's happening now have you heard the new adele that's how we kind of talk about music right and it's this pressure yeah. to like quote unquote stay on top of it like if you haven't heard the new adele like what you're doing with your whole life that's how we kind of talk. But when you, like, watch something like this, you get this kind of historical context. You realize that Daft Punk just didn't come out of left field. Even Radiohead, to a certain degree, too. You can hear some of the Kraftwerk stuff in Radiohead, right? Like, you yeah. see how, like I said, how did we get from, like, Kraftwerk to Daft Punk? Uh, like, even this uh, induction ceremony, it started with Carole King. And you can hear some Carole King in like she's like kind of almost like the pre Adele, right? Just kind of like mm -hmm. this voice and this like talking about relationships and the songs that she has. You can you can almost see like you can draw a line between like I feel the earth move to uh, rolling in the deep. Granted, Adele is a much more of yeah. a bigger powerhouse and all kinds of things like that. But you can start to see how we got to this point. These little gradual evolutions, the way that like dinosaurs had like scales and had all these things and then they ended up like fish or something like that it's these tiny little evolutions and that's what i think the this show is great at because it gives you that historical context you forget the, these things didn't just come out of a void <laughs> they just weren't birth yeah. whole radiohead didn't just come out of nowhere radiohead comes from a long noble tradition Mm-hmm. no you're absolutely right about that and um uh it's the, just the way music influences music influences music. Um, you know, you mentioned Rolling in the Deep and, you know, you mentioned Radiohead and Radiohead's their most prolific album it says is, is Kid A. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know I actually, I said that and I don't really know if this song is on, um, what album is okay. Really? I'm thinking of creep. Um, but I can't remember if it's on that album or not. Now I'm blanking. I'm like, I'm going to this whole thing about the album and I could be wrong. Um, but, um, okay. Computer. The song, you know, it's my, my roommate was looking for a version of that, that he could sing live. That was in a particular key, uh, for this past weekend. And I cannot tell you in the last few weeks, how many versions of that song I've heard really good versions. And, you know, people that get influenced by this music and then go in and do these cover songs that are completely different vibe or just, 
like it's an elevation or just like a great interpretation of this music and it's like these artists you know whether they're famous or not or whether you found like a really good cover like they're influenced by these artists it influences them and influences their music and you get you get these opportunities to see these artists who have a certain way about have a certain approach taking influences that may have nothing to do with their sound and, and kind of merging them and making it their own. And I, I, I am, if there's, I am fascinated. I love, I have one of my biggest playlists on Spotify outside of my park one, which has days worth of music on it is, a uh, um, is my cover music mm-hmm. playlist because of that. I love songs and how people, these these artists who are influenced by music and how they make that their own and it's like you said it's like you know it evolves into something um and i'm just like uh, you know i the reason though i the reason i also mentioned adele though is because he chester i am sorry i can't stop talking about lincoln park um <laughs> chester used to randomly lincoln park lead singer lincoln park known for particular sound used to do um, and I heard it once, "Rolling in the Deep" live. That oh, was wow. like one of their side songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find you you can find it on. Actually, I I got Spotify open open right now. I think one of their live versions is on Spotify. But if not, it's definitely on YouTube. And anybody who's listening, I highly recommend you go listen to it because it's just it's his interpretation with his sound. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the Maroon 5 going out and performing Highway to Hell, you know, like all of how all of these artists are just influenced by everyone around them. And ha- and you, it, you, like you said, it's like, it's all, you can almost say it's all very, you know, very nepotistic. And, you know, it's just like, it's all that it's all within this tight community and it's created vastly different styles of music across the globe. Yeah. Because everyone's influenced by everybody. Music is one of the things where like almost everybody consumes music. Because a song is generally three minutes or five minutes, unless it's like Stairway to Heaven or something. But a song is generally three to five minutes. So everyone's listened to some Adele. Everyone's listened to some like Foo Fighters. Uh, you name different bands, Radiohead, um, Daft Punk. There's songs that you kind of know and you hear, especially on the radio and stuff like that. Whereas like other types of pop culture, like a movie is two hours or can be longer. Uh, a novel can take sometimes a week or a couple of weeks to read if you're a slow reader. Right, like as you go up the ladder of consuming pop culture, music is always one of the easiest things, and that's why it's a universal language because it's literally three minutes. Mm-hmm. There isn't like you know, even if you listen like th- a song for like thirty seconds or fifty seconds, and you're like, ah, I don't like this beat or whatever, and then you go on to the next thing or whatever, you still kind of start to know that song. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um. I looked, I could not find it, but why do I know? Maybe it's just because I happen to have that song and I assume it's on Spotify. Well, um, but I have so much music all over the place. I don't know where I have it. I just know I have it. We can, put, uh, we can put a link in it when you find it then. I am. I'm going to send it out to the, I'm going to send it out to the Twitterverse because it's like, it's, it's, I just highly recommend just, you know, there's other ones that I could, um, like there's other songs I could recommend, you know, stuff where people were influenced by Lincoln Park and did their music, but not. And then songs that have nothing to do with any of that. Like for example, 
Um, I'm trying to pull up. Uh, um, what's the name of the, my playlist? It's like okay, my computer's just being dumb. I would there's a there it is cover me softly. Um, <laughs> there's a cover of. Uh, where is it? 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 Uh, nope, nope, nope. Keep going. Oh, that's one. If you get a chance, Kingsley and Perdomo, it disappears randomly from Spotify and then pops back. I was trying to find a different version of this song and I tripped across this and it is one of the greatest covers I've ever heard. Kingsley and Perdomo, I will send it to you and then I'm sending it out to sending it out into the Twitterverse. It is a blues grass cover version of Staying Alive. Ooh, okay. All right, let's yeah. fire that up. All right. Yeah, and then Chase and then Chase Holfelder. That's mm-hmm. the one I was looking for. Uh does one of my absolute favorite covers of all time, which is a cover of Every Breath You Take by the police. But it takes the music and turns it on what it actually sound like, which is super stalkery. Mm-hmm. And so the song is very haunting and kind of creepy. Um, and it's just it's such a it's a the way it, the song builds up as such a powerful take on that song. Um, and that's one. and I, like I said, I love, and I've listened to some of his other music. I do not have a single song of his on anything else because the rest of his music is not, him. but that song is fantastic. Or, you know, when disturbed did the sound of silence, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, I just, you know, there's so many great covers of, I love hearing those kinds of influences. I should really just send you this whole playlist because it's amazing. I it like does sound so. amazing. I like well, very fabulous playlist. We can maybe do a cover uh, episode for one of these on Tuesday uh, in a upcoming, like probably in the next few weeks or so. Uh, so we can add that to the list. We can discuss covers uh, because there are, like you said, some really great ones. And, and they do totally sometimes will completely change your perspective of the song. Um, I'm also mm-hmm. a big fan of like, you know, when a song comes out, the original song has like a boy singer and then like a female sings it or something like that. Like when they switch to gender, because yeah. then it adds a whole extra level of like something like it changes it. That yeah. perspective changes it. I like that move as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of that sort of thing. I'm trying to think of one song in particular where who was it, it was a song from the 80s. And it's going to hit me at the most random time. It was like, uh, a, it was a male, a, the cover of it was done by a male, but he didn't change. I can hear it in my head. Gosh, it's going to drive me crazy. It is from the 80s. He didn't change the oh, gender the... in the song. Yeah. I like that too when they do that as well. Oh, God, there's one song and everybody knows it. So of course I can't remember it. Of course I can't. Of course. All right. Well, um, we'll wrap this up now so you can kind of Google. But uh, the the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, it's a clumsy title, it's terrible for social media, <laughs> is on HBO Max On Demand. Uh, it is long. It's almost about four hours, but it is well worth it. And this was like a really good year. Uh, like we barely acknowledge Carol King. Um uh, Gil Scott Heron is a fantastic poet. Okay. Um, Tina Turner, as you mentioned. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. the ones we already mentioned, which is Go-Go's, Foo Fighters. So there's like a nice, and of course, Jay-Z. Uh, there's a nice broad mm-hmm. range of like music and influences and all kinds of stuff happening. It's a good party. So again, if you haven't been to a concert or been to a live show for a little while, this would be a good way to kind of like tide you over like a little snack. Uh, before you go to a like a live meal, that's my recommendation. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. So that's it. Uh, so next week, uh, we will, uh, again, be returning on Tuesday at 4 o'clock and be discussing the first two episodes of Hawkeye, uh, the new Disney Plus uh, Marvel show. Of course, the two episodes drop on Wednesday, this coming up Wednesday. Uh, it's six okay. episodes, I think, for the whole first season uh, with Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, he's now joined by Kate Bishop. And uh, Echo is the new superhero. She's a deaf superhero. She's kind of floated around in like Daredevil comics and stuff like that. Anyways, so that'll we'll get into Hawkeye and we can see if we can, I guess, hit a bullseye uh, with that episode. That was a terrible pun. Yes, but terrible pun that makes them the best puns. There you go. On that happy note, uh, I've been Sammy. I've been Stephanie. I really got nothing extra to add today. I mean, we all know that I'm a music nut, and I really can't add to that. Anyways, I'm Stephanie. All right. That's a good way to end it. Uh, We covered quite a bit, but there's always room for more. Thank you for hanging out. Peace out, everyone.